This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Each week we learn something new about love and marriage to fix up your relationship. Fences can do a lot for a house. Find out what some good fencing can do for your marriage. Putting up fences in the right places could absolutely revolutionize your love life. So here it is. Three reasons to put up fences in your marriage. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So as we've been the last few weeks, we've been kind of looking at boundaries on your property. We've been wording in a way of fixing your house up, a fixer upper house and finding your property lines and things of that nature. And today we're going to look at what a fence can do for a property. What can a fence do for a fixer upper? A fence can clarify your property lines between yourself and your neighbor. Well, you can find where those lines are at, and sometimes you can put up a fence, and that way you kind of know where your property line is. There's no question mark there. You have a fence, and it lets everybody know, you know, and your neighbors know. A fence can add beauty to a property. You ever seen a wrought iron fence or a picket fence? For some reason in my mind when I was little, I always dreamt of living in a home with a p- white picket fence. And I don't know why that even matters or why that was important, but I always in my mind I thought, well, someday I'll live in a house and it'll have a white picket fence. I don't know why that is, but fence can add beauty to a prop- property. It can also provide privacy. Let's say if you want to have a pool in your yard, your property, you could put a f- privacy fence around it and it adds privacy. Maybe you could hide like your air conditioning unit. You don't want everybody to see it from the roads. You could put a little privacy fence so it looks a little nicer and keeps things hidden. And then there's the nosy neighbors that some of us have. And you can put up a privacy fence and you can keep the nosy neighbors out. If you've ever seen the old TV show from the 1960s, Bewitched, they had a nosy neighbor. Her name was Gladys Kravitz, and I mean, she was just all into their business all the time. But you know what, if you have a nosy neighbor, you could just put up a privacy fence. It gives you a little bit of privacy in your life. It can provide protection from unwanted people and animals. You can keep out criminals who would take things from you with a fence. I know some people, and they have chain link fences around their property. I even know of one person who put barbed wire on top of the chain link fence. I don't know what in the world was that important, that valuable in their house, but they actually put chain link with barbed wire to protect their property. But a fence can do things to protect your property. Another thing a fence can do is a fence can keep things in, like pets or children. We don't have a fence around our property, and we're always worried when we let the kids out. We've got to make sure they don't stray too far. And we've said many times, man, we wish we had that fenced-in backyard like some people have. Just, I guess you just let your kids out and then just let them have a good time and you kind of have the peace of mind your property is fenced in or you let your dog out and he's got plenty of room to play and run and he knows where those boundaries are and not like my dog tries to stray off sometimes and I have to go on a manhunt for him in a search in the woods and there he is hiding right in front of me come to find out. But you know, that's what fences are for. They keep things in. But what can a fence do from your for your marriage. Robert Frost wrote this poem that I really like. It's entitled, Mending Wall. 
And in the poem, he talks about this wall that he has with his neighbor. And he's going through the narrative of the poem. He's going through with his neighbor, and they're fixing the, the wall. And he's on one side, and his neighbor's on the other side. And he made famous the statement, good fences make good neighbors. So his neighbor is saying, good fences make good neighbors, and we need to fix the fence that's between our property. And Robert Frost in the poem is wondering, why do we have a fence? I mean, we're friends, and we're both walking together, and we're fixing this fence. For what reason is, are there fences? And maybe there's a philosophical question there. Why would we want to keep people out of our lives? And sometimes, I guess, fences can be considered a bad thing. But, you know, there are some good fences that you can put up in your marriage. There are clearly some fences, some fences that we should have in our marriage. And today, we'll look at three of those fences, three reasons we can put up you should put up fences in your marriage. Three reasons to put up fences in your marriage. Number one, to clarify your individual responsibility. Clarify your individual responsibility. In Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says this, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we see the Bible gives us its principle of, of individual responsibility. Marriage does not dissolve individual responsibility. Two lives become one in marriage, but this means that two individual lives come together to create a God-inspired union. And two people that love each other come together and they make this incredible union that God inspired and that God designed. However, you are still responsible for you. We talked about that last week, didn't we? You are responsible for your own walk with the Lord. You are responsible for your actions and your consequences. And God will hold you accountable for the actions that you take. And we see that clearly in the Bible. Every man shall give account of himself to God. So marriage does not dissolve individual responsibility. Marriage does not transfer individual responsibility. You have a responsibility to God and your spouse. This is your role. Your responsibility is to fulfill the role that God gave you in marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, we've talked about that quite often that God designed specific roles for a husband and a wife, and it's your responsibility to fulfill your role in marriage. God has made that standard, and that is your responsibility. But here's the thing, your responsibility ends with your responsibility. So there should be a fence there. You know what? I am not responsible for my wife's walk with the Lord. I have a fence there. There's a fence. I'm responsible for me. I am accountable for me, that is where my accountability ends. Now, as a leader of my home, as a head of my home, I do have responsibility, but my responsibilities end with my role that I have as a husband. You're not responsible for the behavior of your spouse, but you know what? You are responsible for your own behavior. You can't control your spouse, but you can control how you respond. You can control what you do. You know, if your spouse flies into a fit of rage, you don't have to do the same thing they do. Your spouse is accountable for the way they act, but you are accountable for the way that you act. 
because that's the thing that you control. If I went home, I have a very sweet wife and she would not do this to me. But if I went home and my wife was angry with me and began throwing dishes and threatening me, you know what? I can't control what she does, but I can control my response. Marriage does not transfer individual responsibility. And sometimes you can enable your spouse by taking those consequences for them. How about this? If you are going to raise your voice at me, I'm not going to talk to you until you calm down. So I don't have to get in the mud, so to speak. I don't have to lose self-control. I don't have to become angry too and sin against God. And me has to give account for that. But I can keep, I can deal with this in a way that I hold my spouse accountable. Hey, if you want to throw dishes at me, we're going to wait. We're going to wait a little while, and then I'll come back and talk. I'm going to go out in the front porch. I'm going to go out in the yard. I'm going to go out in my doghouse and <laughs> stay out there for a little while. And then when you calm down, then we'll talk like reasonable adults, right? If, you're going to, if you are going to hurt me, how about a lady that says this, if you're going to hurt me or the children, I'm going to leave until you get help for your anger. You see how it's holding that person accountable. But sometimes a spouse can be enabled, you can enable them by not doing anything about it, by letting your spouse hurt you or do things that are wrong. You enable that person. They think, well, there's no consequences for what I'm doing. If you're going to hurt me or the children, I'm going to leave until you get help for your anger is one way. How about this? If you're going to drink alcohol, I'm going to leave until you get yourself sober. So now I'm holding that person accountable. They're accountable to God. But what am I accountable for? I'm accountable for me and what I do. But you, how about this one? If you're going to look at pornography, I'm not going to be a wife to you until you're willing to change and get the help that you need. You see, I'm holding that person responsible. You're holding your spouse responsible and you're being responsible to yourself and the responsibility that God has given you. So you see the fence that you put up is your individual responsibility to protect. Number two, to protect from harmful things. The first point was to clarify personal responsibility, but the second point, to protect from harmful things. The second reason to put fences up in your marriage. Know when to say no to your hobbies. Know when to say no to your hobbies. Hobbies are not a bad thing. And it's actually a good thing for you to express yourself as an individual and have a hobby, something that you like to do. Here's some examples of healthy hobbies. Shopping is a healthy hobby, isn't it? As a lot of women like to go shopping. I don't particularly care to go shopping unless, unless it's to tractor supply. Then I want to go shopping. But I'm not interested in going shopping at Walmart. I don't enjoy that. I'm not interested in going shopping at a clothing store and spend hours looking at the same outfit, just different shades of this. I mean, everything starts to look the same after a little while. Sewing is a good hobby that people have. How about sports? It's not something harmful. Does it follow sports and uh, keep up with sports or cars to keep up with those things? A lot of people hunt and fish and some people for a hobby like to exercise. And I would say that that's a good thing. These can all provide release and distraction and it's a good thing for your marriage you should allow your spouse to do some of those things and support them when they do those things even if they do them without you that's something that they can do that they enjoy but hobbies can become hurtful things in your marriage when they become obsessive in nature think about the wife who likes to shop but overspends could be a huge problem or me 
who likes to shop at Tractor Supply, you could overspend in that place in a hurry. I mean, really fast. It's like a man going to the Bass, what's it, the Bass Pro Shop. I mean, you could really blow some money in that place. But the shopping can become harmful. It can, if it becomes obsessive, you can, you can overspend. The husband who overspends on his hobby, have you ever looked? I'm all for hunting and all that, but have you ever noticed how much this stuff costs? I mean, it is absolutely crazy. I've heard some men say, I'm saving my family money because we're going deer hunting. I mean, I'm going hunting and we're going to get some, we're going to pack some meat in the free, freezer and we're going to save some money and I'm all for it. <laughs> but that stuff costs a lot of money. I mean, you can really go overboard with it. I mean, you can't, you can't just have a gun that will drop the deer. You have to have the latest Boeing with the big I mean, with, the, with all the latest garb and the gear and just the clothing is out of this world. It's outrageous, isn't it? But you can go overboard. Men can go overboard with their hobbies to the point that it hurts their family. You know, when you're neglectful to your family and your obligations because of your hobbies, they can become hurtful. But you have to put a fence and set limits to things in your marriage. So you must have called Angel Yes, I yes, I will be accepting payment after Sunday school. <laughs> Except all major credit cards. You can go to fixerupermarriage.com slash credit card payment and you can pay that way if you like if you don't want to pay cash. But hobbies can become hurtful. <laughs> the roles in marriage can be abused, can't they? The husband who uses his headship for selfishness. I've had friends, I mean, I'm talking about friends who go into the ministry and they get hobbies that they're just all excited. And maybe it's sports, maybe it's cars. A lot of times in our area, it is hunting. And I've seen guys that have all the latest hunting gear and their poor wife, she's wearing the same clothes that she has for 20 years. I mean, it's the husband who takes his headship. I'm the head of my home and I decide to spend the money and we should spend it on hunting gear, right? We should go to the Bass Pro Shop and spend it on hunting gear. Your know, hobbies can become hurtful. Those roles become abused. The wife who uses her spirit as a way to control and manipulate her husband, that does happen. They take that role and use it to become hurtful to the marriage. But you have to determine the limits of your hobbies. This is what I like to do, and this is the limit of where it is. I'm protecting my marriage from these hobbies and these outside interests in my life. Know when to say no to work. Know when to say, there's a fence you have to put there. You have to put one around your hobbies. You have to put a fence to protect your marriage from work. Know when to say no to work. Recognize the responsibilities that you have. You know, at work, I have responsibilities that I have to do. But my responsibilities end at my responsibilities. You know, if someone else can't manage their time, that's really their problem, right? I shouldn't have to stay off the clock and fix someone else's problem. So I should say, hey, I need to get home to my family. You're just going to have to figure this out yourself. So you have to set limits. You have to put a fence around your work responsibilities. You know, put a fence on that work to keep it out of your marriage. You know, sometimes we get so caught up with work and we come home and we talk about work all the time and it just consumes our life. But put a fence around 
that work. It's not wrong necessarily to talk about work, but just to let it consume you into the point where it hurts your marriage. There should be a fence there. There should be a limit. There should be a, you should know when to say no to work. You should know that you should schedule time for your wife and your family to make your marriage better. Know when to say no. Sometimes we just have to learn how to say no. Know when to say no to friends and family. Learn to say no to family that just expects too much from you. Learn to say no to friends who dump all their problems on you but never listen to your problems. You know what? I can't listen to your problems right now. I have a lot to do. You can call me later. How about this? I can't pick up your kids today. I have other things going on. Sometimes people are irresponsible. They don't manage their time right. We all know that, right? They take too much on or they do things that they shouldn't do. And sometimes they want us to bail them out, right? But it's, we have to know when to say no to family and friends. And the point you say no is when it hurts your marriage. When it starts to hurt your marriage, then you put up a fence and say, this is the end of my responsibility. I'm putting a fence up. Know when to say no to friends and family. Know when to say no to ministry. Know when to say no to ministry. Know when to say no to church activities. You have to put up a fence between your marriage and the church. Now give me just a second. I know I'm probably walking on glass right here, but you have to put up a fence between your marriage and church. In Mark chapter number six in verse number 30, let me read this to you. Mark chapter six and verse 30, and the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things. Now Jesus had sent them out to minister, to heal, and they were doing a great work for God. They came back and they began to tell him what they had done and what they had taught. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So wait a minute. Jesus sent them out to minister. They were busy in the ministry. They were busy witnessing. They were busy healing people. And they came back to the Lord and told him what all they had done, his name. And he says, okay, now it's time for you to take a break. He said, wait, wait, hold on. Were there not still people that needed the gospel? I would say yes. Were there not people that still were hurting? Were there not people that were still needed help? Absolutely there were, right? And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said, hey, take a break. Take a deep breath. Put up a fence. Enough is enough here. And that's what we have to do in our ministry sometimes in the, our ministry of marriage. Sometimes you have to understand we have to say no to things at church sometimes if they're interfering with our marriage. If you're serving the Lord, but ministry is putting a strain on your marriage, guess what? It's okay to say no. Jesus said, take a break. How many people have pushed in the ministry and they've hurt their marriage? I know, I personally know people who have done this. I mean, they throw everything they have at some ministry. They throw everything into what they're doing, what they think they're doing, feel like they're doing for the Lord, and what a great work it is. And they, and they lose their family. They lose their marriage. I mean, they lose what was really important to them all along. But if you are serving the Lord in ministry and you're doing your best to do, put limits there to protect your marriage. Here is an example, and maybe this is kind of an extreme case, but when my wife and I were first married, I did pulpit supply for a church for just about a year. And here's the thing. We were just married and we had to deal with some personal things. We had lost our baby. I mean, we were going through a lot. And I was working a job at 50 and 60 hours a week. Plus, I had 
some things I did part-time to make up enough money to make ends meet. So here I was filling pulpit supply twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday night. Now, I have friends I went to Bible college with who, who are just talkers. They could just talk about, they could get behind a pulpit and talk about how they feel. I am not that way. I had to study. And I was just racking my brains every minute, barely sleeping, trying to come up with messages to fill this pulpit. And one day I came to the point, I said, this is just too much for me to deal with. This is a good thing to do. I love ministry. I love to do things for the Lord, but this is just too much. There has to be a line there to protect your marriage. And you know, as preachers, we have this tactic that we use on people. And it's, there are so many people that don't want to do anything for the Lord. I mean, it is so hard to get people motivated to do anything. I see the preacher shaking his head. Yes, it's so hard to get people to do something. So we have this tactic. I don't know if we learned it in Bible college. I don't know where it comes from, but we have this tactic, and it works very good. We make you feel guilty. If we can make you feel guilty enough, that would be the ultimate motivation to get you to do something. But sometimes when we do that, Sometimes when we do that, there are people who are already doing a lot. And they're already, if you don't watch it, you'll start doing so much that you'll neglect your family. You'll neglect your marriage. And your marriage will suffer. So you have to learn when to say no to ministry. Remember, the disciples could have helped more people. They could have done more, right? I mean, they could have, the Lord could have put a guilt trip on them. I mean, hey, y'all need to get back out there. I mean, there are people who need you. Look at the multitudes out there. Look at the harvest. Oh, my goodness. They're everywhere. Go back. The Lord said, no, come rest a while. You need to take a break. So there has to be a boundary. There has to be a fence. So putting that fence in your marriage, knowing when to say no to ministry, knowing when to say no. You know, when we all get to heaven, you know what's going to happen when we all get to heaven, when we get there, our works, the Bible teaches us in First Corinthians chapter three are going to be tried by fire of what sort it is. You know what? If we have any motivation other than just loving the Lord and wanting to serve him, it's going to be for naught. It's going to be burn up anyway. So why not do what you do because you love the Lord? Put, don't do things because you feel guilty or don't do things because out of fear, but do things out of love. If you'll learn to do that, you'll have a great reward in heaven. You know what? We give we give because we love the Lord, not because we feel guilty or not because we are afraid, because we love him. We serve him and we do things because we love him. If we do those things out of guilt and fear, it's going to amount to nothing. It's going to be rubbish when we're before him. God wants us to serve him because we love him. But know when to say no. And it sounds so bad when I say it, doesn't it? But know when to say no to church. There has to be a limit there. And there are so many people, I would admonish anybody who has opportunity to do more for the Lord. I would encourage anybody to do more for the Lord, right? But you have to have a limit. There has to be a fence there to protect your marriage. If you don't, you're going to wind up in big trouble, as many people have found out the hard way. Number three, the third reason for putting fences up in your marriage, to keep out negative influences. You must let go of your parents. In Mark chapter 10 and verse number 7, Jesus said these words, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. God designed life as this cycle, and marriage is a part of the cycle of life. A man and a wife in love produce a child. 
And then when that child is young, we make decisions for that child. Don't we? It's not old enough. This child's not old enough to make decisions. And we make decisions. And then when they get a little bit older, we try to teach them to make their own decisions and learn about the consequences of their decision. And then the child grows to maturity. And then as the cycle starts over, they're mature now. And they marry. They leave their, their parents. And they cleave to their wife. You, the goal, the goal is for a child to be able to leave his parents and for those children to be able to grow up and cleave to one another, a husband and a wife. And when this happens, the Bible teaches that the influence and role of the parent changes. Something happens when we get married. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. So there's a change that occurs in influence. As an example, I will use my father-in-law, my father-in-law was like Rambo when I dated my wife. I mean, he was really, really tough. I mean, you think you know what I'm talking about, but you don't. He was really, really, really tough. And it was okay. I'm glad that he was strict. And I was fine with it. I don't remember ever giving him any moment's problem about anything. Whatever he said, that I would just do it because that was my wife's father and she was under his authority and I tried my best to do what's right unless he asked there was there was once or twice I think he asked my opinion about it and I told him hey I don't think <laughs> y'all was honest but you know he was really really tough and that's a good thing to be tough and I'm not saying that it's wrong but he was really but the day we got married that very day he turned into like the Pillsbury Doughboy I mean he completely lost he completely lost his composure. He pulled me in this room and tried to talk to me, and he just, I was so happy, and my wife was so happy. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. I guess, were we supposed to be sad? I don't know, but he just <laughs> lost control and just started sobbing. And so I went and got my mother-in-law, Miss Luann. I said, you need to help Brother Alton. There's something wrong with him. And so she went in there to comfort him, and I went to rejoice because I was getting married. I was excited to be married. But you know what I can honestly say? that for as much as he was tough when we were dating, as much as he was like Rambo, you know, when we got married, he absolutely left us alone. I could call him right now and tell him we needed something. He would get in the car and come three hours. He would come right now and get it for us. If I needed money, I could ask him for money. I wouldn't do that. But he would, he would give whatever he had to do, he would do for us. But you know what? He has left us alone. I've been blessed with good in-laws. I can't tell the mother-in-law jokes like other people because my in-laws are great and my parents are great about that. But everybody isn't blessed. Everybody's parents are not that way. You know, some people are stuck in this rut where their parents still try to control them. It's okay to control your child when they're little, but you know when they get older, you have to let go. It's time for them to cleave and have their own responsibilities and their own consequences for their life that they have, right? And there are some parents that control their children. I mean, they tell them where to live at. I mean, they tell them where to go to church or they tell them where to work or they tell them how many kids to have. I mean, just try some way to control them, some tactic to try to control their, their children. People allow their parents to control their marriage, sometimes out of obligation. I think, I've, I think we have something going on. Yeah, but some parents are really, they try to control their kids. Maybe they try to give them 
money. And those money, when I give a gift to someone, I think I'm giving, there's no strings attached. I'm giving you something. But some people give and they think I'm helping my child out, but there's conditions to it. Now you have to go to church where I go to church at. Now you have to live where I want you to live at. Now you have to be subject to what I want you to do. The reasons we allow, sometimes we just feel obligated for sacrifices that your parents have made. Now, my parents made sacrifices for me when I was little. And there were times when all of us kids were at home, and I know that my parents sacrificed so that we could have food on the table, so that we could have a warm house to live in, so that we would have clothes on our back. And I know that they did those things. But you know what? That's what parents do. That's what they're supposed to do. You know what? You are not obligated. We're obligated to take care of our parents, but we're not obligated to let our parents control us like they did when we were single and at home. That role changes in a scriptural way it changes gifts are not bribes or blackmail something you just give to somebody just like the gift that God gave to us he gave us his own son didn't he there's no strings attached we just accept that free gift by faith in him but you must not allow third parties into your marriage you must let go of your parents but you must not allow third parties into your marriage beware of the shoulder you lean on when having marriage problems, sometimes our first inclination is to talk to somebody about it, right? And here's what happens a lot of times. We go to talk to someone that we're close to. And maybe the husband goes to work and there's this lady at work that admires him and appreciates what he does. And he starts to tell this woman at work how his wife doesn't really respect him and honor him. He starts to complain about his wife doesn't really treat him the way that he feels like. And of course, what's her response going to be? You, you poor thing. You deserve better than that, right? That's what you deserve better than that. And before long, a third party comes in the mix. And then the woman, the wife goes to a man at church who just seems to understand. He just understands how I feel. You, my husband just doesn't understand me. And of course, one thing leads to another, oh, let me comfort you. You poor thing, you deserve to be treated better than this. And all of a sudden, it turns into a third party comes into the marriage. Beware of the shoulder you lean on. Beware of the love triangle. You know, those Hallmark movies always have that same thing. They have that love triangle somehow. you got the main character, and somehow you know, she starts to fall in love, and here comes somebody else from her past. Here's somebody that she used to know, somebody she used to be friends with, somebody she used to talk to, somebody from her childhood, and now there's this love triangle. There's like a third person in there, and it's entertaining to watch those things and see what happens. And of course, we all know what's going to happen, right? It's going to end, end well, especially if it's one of those Hallmark love stories right? It's going to end with the main people being together. But you can get caught up in an emotional love triangle. And you can get conflicted feelings for each other. Well, you, can, you can get a third party in there, and it's like you start to love that person too. It's like, yeah, sure, I still love my wife, but I love this. You should, the way she makes me feel, and it's not long before, there's a third party in there. But you have to protect yourself. You have to protect your marriage. You have to put limits you have to put fences up. This is a fence that we're going to put in our marriage, and it's going to protect our relationship. It's going to protect what we have. If you fail to put fence, the fence in your marriage, you can become vulnerable to the snares of Satan. In conclusion, three reasons to add fences to your marriage. Number one, to clarify your individual responsibility. Number two, to protect from harmful things. And number three, to keep out negative influences. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to be saved and be in your house and be able to serve you. And I pray that you'd help us to put 
limits and fences in our marriage that would keep us, that would protect us from the snares of Satan and things that would harm and things that would keep us from sharing the gospel and being a blessing to a lost and dying world. We ask these things in your name. Amen.